Before we get to our guest, I want to talk about our NOAA subscription. CD Media is not just a local news company. We're not just a military company. We're not even just a national company. CDM is a global news organization that has reporters from the Middle East to Eastern Europe to the Balkans to Asia to Latin America to the United States. Put us in your daily scan and get the news, tip of the spear news from around the world. I know that people don't like ads, however. They don't like pop-up ads on their phone. They don't like to see ads on the websites. But you know what? We have to make money. Seriously, we have to support ourselves, and that's one of the ways we do it. However, if you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no-ad subscription. And guess what? You get access to our dozen newspapers around the world, our dozen news organizations, and you get access to all this quality, high-quality content. So, so give us a few bucks, sign up for your no-ad subscription, and you'll get access to all of the sites with a block on the ads, and you'll be very happy. And now let's get to our guest. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Welcome back to Information Operation. We have a, an interesting guest today. Jeff Childers is an attorney, a very successful one at that, down in Florida. And he has been active in a lot of issues during the pandemic and after. We wanted to get him to come on and just talk about uh, his blog, Coffee and COVID, which has become pretty famous. I've had a lot of people send me his articles from around the country. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So... First, tell us about yourself. I, I had you do this before the show, but I'm going to make you do it again. So tell us, tell us about Jeff Childers. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, you know, before the, the pandemic, I was a, a quiet, uh, unassuming commercial litigation attorney minding my own business. Uh, I wasn't even very political. Uh, I probably only voted in every other presidential election and never a local election. I mean, I couldn't have named a single school board member mm -hmm. right back then. Um, and then the pandemic hit and my county was the first county to pass a uh, countywide mask mandate. And so I, I sued him over it. And it was the first time I'd ever sued the government. And I, you know, I'm, I'm having to figure out how to do it. You know, like, where do you serve the complaint? Do you like turn right. it into the library or, you know, sue the, serve the mayor? I mean, what do you do? Um, I eventually won that case on appeal and that became, I believe, the only appellate decision in the country finding that mandatory masking was presumptively unconstitutional. Um, we sued the city of Gainesville right after that over their first vaccine mandate in the state. Mm -hmm. And we won that one as well. Uh, and that sort of propelled me into this maelstrom of, uh, of pandemic and post-pandemic politics. So that's, that's sort of how I got here. So before we move on, where are we in Florida with the with the vaccine issues? I mean, is is it uh, settled in your opinion? I mean, is Florida in a good place uh, with the DeSantis policies? And, and what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so I would describe it as like being after General Lee surrendered at the Civil War. You know, uh -huh. there's still pockets of resistance yeah. that, that yeah. need to be mopped up. You know, like a complaint that we regularly get is um, hospitals are still, you know, everywhere they can, they're still trying to mandate people and, and uh, staff get, get these jabs. They can't do it across the board anymore. Um, we have a, we have, as far as I know, the best statutory protections in the country. That's fantastic because that's I, I think we're still to the point where all this information on the vaccine, what it did to people, is going to be, uh, you know, disclosed eventually, and people will see actually what happened. Um, tell us about uh, we wanted to bring you on because of the recent legislation on SB seventy fifty. I forget the House name, but is an election integrity bill. We were talking beforehand, and you said it's a very long, in-depth bill. Give us your opinion on that, and and what, you know, where you think that stands. Was it good for Florida or bad, or, or what? Yeah. So um, I got involved in this one sort of by accident, and I, you know, when I started looking at it, I didn't realize how controversial it was going to wind up being. Mm -hmm. um, but I had several readers from my daily blog ask me what my opinion was about the bill, and they had heard some bad things about it. Mm -hmm. So I took a look, and and as you said, it was uh, the package was SB seventy fifty. That's the bill from the Florida Senate, mm -hmm. and it's a giant grab bag of like band aids, right? So there's there's dozens and dozens of different statutory fixes for one thing or another. The whole bill is over three thousand pages long, which I would guess it was the longest bill passed this session. The description of the bill runs over 300 lines. Um, and that's longer than most bills are in total. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's how much was in it. The, um, the staff report that was published on Florida Congress's website runs over 20 pages long. It's a much easier read than the bill. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody out there who's curious, I would direct them to that. Um, uh, but it lists probably 20 to 30 individual fixes, I would call mm -hmm. them that mm -hmm. the, the bill included. So what, what are some of the important fixes that you think came out? Well, um, they, you know, it, it's just, they're all over the map. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, uh, uh, new rules for signature matching. Mm -hmm. So it, it raises the bar for what a valid signature has to look like. Um, it fixes that last year they created a new election crimes office. Mm -hmm. So that had a year to run. And, you know, there were some problems with the extent of their authority. So this new 7050 gives them more authority. And uh, it also defines their duties a little bit tighter. Has that, uh, let me interrupt there. Has that office been, um, is it staffed now? I mean, I know there were some issues of people changing or um, where does that stand at the moment? Do you know? You may not. I'm just curious. The last time I checked in on it, they were were in the process of staffing or nearly staffed. They had a uh, sudden and unexpected death of the director. Mm -hmm. and so they had to kind of start over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bad luck. But they've been in the news. They've uh, I wouldn't say anything high profile yet, but they've made some arrests and mm -hmm. they've been they've been prosecuting some crimes. Um, another provision requires a most first time Florida voters to vote in person. They're not allowed hmm. to vote by mail. Hmm. 
So uh, it, it in, increases the amount of information that has to be included on voter information cards. Um, it, it shortens the period of time between when supervisors in the different um, counties have to perform voter list maintenance. So mm -hmm. it shortens that time. So they have to do mm -hmm. it more often, in essence. Um, it requires the state to, to put all the voting data, the cast vote data, into mm -hmm. a downloadable, comma-delimited file that anybody can download off the um, state's website. So that nobody, you don't even have to make a public records request for it. Mm -hmm. you just download all that data now. So that, that was, let me jump in there. That was one of the issues that one guy was telling me that a lot of the reports that were required before are no longer required. And those were used to find, uh, you know, alleged nefarious activities in the counties. I mean, do you, what do you say to that? Well, um, so I've heard similar complaints. Uh -huh. I, have, I haven't found anything in the bill and, and you know, of course, um, to be honest, it requires searching. So I have to yeah. figure out what keyword it would pop up under, but I haven't right, found right. any relaxing requirements for supervisors of elections for reporting or voter list maintenance or otherwise. Okay. Um, so I'm not saying it's not in there, but mm -hmm. I've looked at it a lot mm -hmm. and searched it and I can't mm -hmm. find it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. I interrupted you. What What else were you going to talk about? Well, so I could keep going, right? Yeah. I mean, bullet by bullet, there's probably two pages of, of bullet items, all these little fixes. And I think if you look at each one individually, most people would say, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we mm -hmm. needed that one. There's some, there's some ones that really created a lot of controversy. Um, one of those was changing the resign to run law so that governor DeSantis didn't have to resign to run for president. So that, you know, obviously aggravated a lot of Democrats, yeah. Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. um, however, as I, you know, I looked into it and there is a 1979 Florida Supreme court decision that says that the old resign to run law was unconstitutional, meaning the federal constitution with regard to federal offices, because in essence, what Florida was doing with the resign to run law was putting more requirements on federal offices than the constitution provided. So for example, for president under the constitution, you just have to be a native born citizen and 35 years of age, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Florida added one more requirement, which is you can't already be an elected official in Florida. And so in 1979, the Supreme Court of Florida said, now the Constitution defines what the requirements are to run for that office. Hmm. Um, there are only a, a few uh, federal offices that are defined in the U.S. Constitution that would be affected by that. So in my view, when they changed the resign to run law this year, they actually they didn't really change it they clarified it to be consistent with what the florida supreme court had already said do other states have that kind of law uh, i mean i'm not an attorney but i'm just curious if, if it exists elsewhere um i've never thought about it i guess yeah in my research uh, i found a lot of examples california has one that's very similar to florida's interestingly enough hmm. and so a lot of the, the decisions that i read were um, comparing what we were doing to what california was doing hmm. 
So uh, one of the other complaints we've had is that the Florida, you know, I may get the name wrong, Supervisor of Elections Association lobbied for certain things in this bill. Do you know anything about that? or? I, I don't have any personal knowledge about it. I have heard okay. similar complaints about uh -huh. like Dominion voting systems lobbied for the bill and, uh -huh. um, you know, various groups. And I don't I can't confirm or deny any of that. Um, I, I would doubt that any of those organizations lobbied for the whole bill. Mm -hmm. There was probably something in there that they liked. Yeah. Um, which doesn't, you know, make the bill bad. It, it might make you more curious about whatever that provision was they were lobbying for, but it doesn't reflect the bill. Okay. Any other big examples that you thought were good as far as the bill is concerned or bad for that? matter? <laughs> <laughs> well, as it turns out, you know, most of the post passage action has re revolved around the, the new rules related to third party voting organizations, you mm -hmm. know, these mm -hmm. sketchy nonprofits that come mm -hmm. in every election season and like, you know, go into low income neighborhoods and register people to vote and collect ballots and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So Florida really cracked down on that hard and passed maybe the strongest limitations to those uh, um, third party organizations. And um, the on Monday of this week, a federal judge in Florida enjoined two parts of that section. So that's most all the litigation so far has been over that third party organization uh, mm -hmm. part of the bill. And what Judge Walker said was uh, he found it a violation of equal protection that SB 7050 prohibited third party organizations from using illegal immigrants to collect signatures for elections. So Judge Walker said that's, you know, violates the U.S. Constitution. I'm not clear how uh, citizens who are here illegally have constitutional rights. Yeah, exactly. But uh, in any event, that's what the judge found. And he also found that a requirement, uh, actually, it was a, it, it made it a felony for these third party groups to keep, if they collect your personal information to register you to vote or whatever they're going to do, if they keep that in information past the election cycle, that was a felony. Hmm. And uh, Judge Walker enjoined that he stopped it uh arguing that um the law was uh too ambiguous that it didn't define well enough what your personal information was so mm -hmm. so that both of those are now going to go up to the 11th circuit mm -hmm. uh, it's worth pointing out that last year judge walker enjoined the election package in that cycle and he was reversed by the 11th circuit mm -hmm. So obviously that doesn't mean he's going to get reversed again this time, but it you know, there's a precedent. Yeah. yeah, it shows you kind of like how um, how things can go. Uh, the last thing that people were asking me to ask you about is, I guess, what's called the ballot chase, making it harder to find, you know, illegal ballots on the rolls. Any thoughts on that? Because as far as and I don't know the specifics of how that plays out, but so I think what you're talking about is um, I think some folks had concerns about like having dead people on the voter rolls mm -hmm. or moved outside of Florida and, mm -hmm. and so forth. And um, 
that's sort of a generalized complaint. Mm -hmm. Again, what I saw in the bill are requirements that supervisors of elections, they shorten. Before this bill, supervisors were allowed to do voter roll maintenance every two years. Mm -hmm. and now they have to do it annually. So, uh, and it also in introduces things like um, if any mail that goes to you first class gets returned mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. non-deliverable, you the supervisors are now required to take you off the voter rolls. Hmm. So, you know, those kinds of things that I found seem to go the other way. They seem mm -hmm. to be be making it the rolls cleaner rather than less clean. Um, so I was having trouble figuring out exactly what people were concerned about on that one. However, I did see there was a change in language where the old law said that supervisors of elections could perform list maintenance from information that they obtained from any source. And the new law said from it changed any source to any official government source. Hmm. And so I think there was concern that these, um, you know, conservative groups that are doing great work going door to door, yeah. checking voter rolls wouldn't be able to, to submit, clean the rolls. Yeah. To submit that information. And, and that might be a valid complaint, but uh, what I understand in talking to, uh, I have a contact that, that works at a supervisor's of elections office, and I call her for all my questions, is mm -hmm. supervisors are, are supposed to use reliable government sources like public records. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your neighbor can't call the supervisor and say, hey, he doesn't live there anymore, and you get struck off the voter roll. Yeah. I think okay. that's, that's the intent now. Um, you know, these, these organizations that are working so hard to clean up the voter rolls, they, they should be able to, to report those officially mm -hmm. somehow, but mm -hmm. you know, I just don't know. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, tell us about your blog. How, how can people get their work? How can they find you, what you're writing daily or weekly or however you often you publish? Yeah. Thanks. So, um, we get, we have a daily news summary blog. Um, we, we try to publish a little bit of optimism and a little bit of humor every day. Mm -hmm. It's called Coffee and COVID. And you can get to it and sign up to get one email to you every morning at www.coffeeandcovid.com. You have to have your coffee first before you get to your COVID. <laughs> now, it's not all COVID news. There was a time when it was. Yeah. During the you know crazy part of the pandemic. But now... We cover pretty much, you know, all the news and I give a lawyer's point of view on a lot of the things that are, you know, happening and rolling around in the public domain. So people seem to enjoy it. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on. We just uh, appreciate your time and your description of the bill. And uh, we're just going to do an ongoing series on this. So try to educate the public of what it actually does. So thanks again for coming on. Great. Glad to be here. Take care. I'm going to bring in Chris Gleason now, who you've seen multiple times already on the show. Chris is a warrior for election fraud or election integrity, I should say, in Florida. Uh, Florida is not free. It's not the gold standard. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Todd. How are you? Thanks for coming back. Uh, so I wanted to have you on because earlier this week, and I'm going to post it later today or tomorrow, we interviewed uh, Jeff Childers, who gave us a his take on SB 7050. And essentially, and I'll paraphrase, but people can watch the video when I put it up. Uh, he said, you know, it's a very long bill. You need to really just read the summary that the government put out and that there's really not any uh, fraud that I can find. You know, if there is, I couldn't find it and it's fine. So uh, 
What's your response to that for SB 7050? For our audience, it's a bill that Florida legislature passed to basically, in your words, remove the ability to find the fraud in Florida. Well, uh, I think the I think the best name the, the best thing to call it is the Florida Election Fraud Legalization Act. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's terrible. It's awful. I've been saying that since I first started reading it. And as the days have passed, it becomes more and more apparent that it is. So um, we've been trying to hold our selected officials uh, here in Florida uh, accountable for this. Over the past couple of weeks, uh, there have uh, been um, members who, uh, who voted for this people in the Florida House and in the Florida Senate um, here locally that we uh, brought these issues up to. And, you know, it's funny because I was told by uh, Bernie Jacques, who's on the Election Integrity Committee and on the Ethics Committee, um, newly elected, um, that he doesn't see it that way. And, you know, Jeff Childers doesn't see it that way either, apparently. Well, you know, they fail to explain themselves with this. All they do is say, well, I, I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, it was kind of funny when we uh, pulled the, uh, there was a, uh, a, a uh, town hall meeting um, where Bernie Jacques was. And so I started hitting him on these points. Uh, because they were they were talking about how great a job the Florida legislature had done this past session. And I said, well, you know, Bernie, um, you know, you didn't mention SB 7050. And, you know, and here are the problems with it. And he said, again, like I said, uh, you know, well, I don't see it that way. So the other people at the meeting, too, they were really upset about it because, you know, 80% of Republicans believe that the 2020 election had significant cheating in it. Mm -hmm. And that that amount has continued to grow. Um, so now that you have more Democrats and more independents believing that as well. And, and I believe in a, re in a recent Rasmussen poll, I think the numbers were about 92% of all voters believe that there should be no cheating at all in elections. So after the town hall meeting, I went outside and I had some, um, I had some, some stuff that I asked Bernie to take a look at. And I said, hey, Bernie, can you read this for me? And he read it. And I said, can you read it out loud so other people here can, can hear it as well? And he, he, he didn't want to read it. And the reason why I didn't want to read it was because in the verbiage that was there, it pretty much laid it all out. And it laid out the fact that, you know, we don't have real elections. We have selections and we have a lot of corruption. So let me, let me drill down to one point for our audience sake to kind of rebut uh, and let you respond to Childers. Uh, in your point, in your view, the specific requirements for precinct level data that you found massive fraud using the machines in Florida across the state in multiple counties, that specific precinct level data was removed from being provided to the public by this election integrity bill. Am I correct? 
Yes. And what they did is um, they altered the format um, to some format that we don't need to know anymore. And essentially what happened is any type of, uh, any type of visibility in public records related to elections ultimately ended up being hidden from view. Now, that's, that's a real big issue here in Florida because Florida has led the way nationwide with regards to public records. Um, it's, it's so important that it was enshrined in the Florida Constitution. So I have to ask, you know, why, if, if public records are so important here in Florida, why would they be hiding the most important thing that you would need to have public access to from view, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's so bad. We, we're, you know, we're engaged in a lawsuit here in Pinellas County over, over election data. And, you know, they, um, they're doing their best to hide the fraud, hide yeah. the evidence of the data. You know? what, what's the latest on that lawsuit? I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but if you do, go ahead. Sure. So the judge um, violated about every judicial canon that exists. And um, it just really showed me that um, we have some really deep corruption here in Florida. Um, the deck was definitely stacked against uh, we the people. Um, the judge uh did not uh, do what she was supposed to do. The judge actually, honestly, should have recused herself because her own election was one of the elections in question in the suit. Yeah. Um, which is a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. It's a conflict of interest, right. right? Right. So you have that one issue. Then there's another issue, right? So uh, another judicial canon is if the judge has a financial interest, the judge must also recuse themselves. The judge didn't recuse herself. Um, that causes some serious questions about the integrity of the court system. And, you know, when you have uh, elections that are rigged and you have selections and you have judges and clerks of court that we're now seeing involved in this who are also elected, hiding um hiding uh, facts and evidence and um, doing their best to deprive we the people of our constitutional right to public records and to fair trials. You know, we have, we have a real problem and yeah. Florida definitely isn't free. So where we're at right now is we have, uh, we're in the process of um, filing some more motions and um, getting uh, really to the root of the problem, because here in Pinellas County, in this case in particular, uh, the supervisor of elections filed a uh, perjured affidavit and offered perjured documents and perpetrated a fraud upon the court. And that's a big problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> So we're going to get to the bottom of it one way or the other, and we're going to use um, any and all uh, legal uh, remedies that are available to us. And we're not going to quit. We're going to fight this to the very end.
because if we don't, it's a wrap. Yeah. So just again, for our audience sake, what you found is that in certain counties and precincts in Florida, the machines where they were being used, which is everywhere, right? I mean, essentially, we're counting a, a very large percentage of ballots cast as cast blank, which means that up to 20% in some precincts of Miami-Dade and elsewhere were casting blank ballots with no marks on them at all, which is obviously, you know, 20% of Miami-Dade County is a million people. So that's obviously not, you know, possible. So, uh, and then in 2022, it went to zero after you started talking about this specific issue in Miami-Dade. Am I correct? That is correct. So, so yeah, the, the machines are essentially adjudicating themselves who that person actually voted for. Um, and- and that's and that's that's best case scenario. Yeah, that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you have uh, the fact that these machines are not meeting the Florida standard for maximum allowable error rates. In which case, they don't meet the certification requirements, right? Mm-hmm. And you also have the fact that all of these machines are connected to the internet. Right. which they claim are they're not and right. which is kind of comical because it's um it, it's word salad you know they're playing games so if uh they're saying oh well you know they're connected with a vpn oh okay so <laughs> all right so what does a v, what does a vpn do oh it provides a private tunnel on the in- internet right. oh okay right all right now what's interesting right is the EAC uh, and all the testing laboratories that uh, certify the machines have all said that if you have modems connected to the tabulators, it voids the certification for the entire system. Well, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and and we see that in Maryland. We see that you know we see we're seeing it everywhere. So how do you how do you certify an election? with uncertifiable machines? Well, that's the big question. we got the same issue in Georgia where Kemp again said they're, they're not connected to the internet. And uh, of course they are, but um, you know, so what do you do? Is Florida the same that the, from the state level down that many interpret the law that you have to use the machines per the secretary of state? Is that the well, way it is in Florida? Well, here, here's the funny thing of what they do here in Florida, right? There's lots of laws on the books, but they are choosing which laws that they're going to follow and which laws mm-hmm. they're not going to follow. Mm-hmm. And what they do is like they did in SB 7050, right? So over the past year and a half, I've gone to the secretary of state to um, all of the election officials here, the election crimes unit, everybody basically, you know, and I laid out a long list of crimes, election crimes that the supervisors of elections themselves were violating. Yeah. And so what they did is they used SB 7050 to legalize it and or hide the data that we used to catch them. Yeah. So just let me really reiterate that we're talking about this blank ballot issue. So you found this blank ballot issue on the precinct level reporting that was required by the Florida law to be done. And so for the election integrity bill, they removed that ability for you to see that data. Well, yeah, yeah. but not only that, right? <laughs> they they remove the transparency for list maintenance activity. Okay, so we everybody's talking. You know, you get Jay Valentine from the Omega Project with his fractal technology talking about how important it is to get you know the rolls cleaned. 
And that's why we got rid of Eric here in Florida because of the fact that they weren't cleaning the rolls and they were actually violating all sorts of data privacy laws, right? But now we're seeing really dirty voter rolls and they're refusing to do anything about it. And we have people going to the supervisor of elections and saying, hey, you know, we have problems with the voter rolls here because all of these people here haven't lived at this house for 10 years. And they're like, well, you can't, you know, we've got this under control, they're saying at the SOE's office, but they're really not. And now you can't question it because they've removed any transparency from it. So it's not just the transparency in the um, uh, precinct level data, right? They've also removed the transparency in the voter rolls in the cleaning of the voter rolls, and they removed the transparency in the vote by mail lists, and they removed the, you know, I mean, and it just goes on and on and on. Well, it seems to me like in Georgia and in Florida and elsewhere, the counties have to start using just paper ballots and, you know, use their home rule, um, you know, authority and just just do it and then just, you know, deal with what comes next. I mean, that, that's the only way forward, in my opinion. Paper ballots is, is the only way, because what we're seeing here is the entire system is compromised. With the election night reporting, they're using, you know, um, a company by the name of Siddle. Siddle is a foreign company, mm-hmm. and our election data is being shipped offshore, packets getting ship, shipped over to Europe. What's going on with it there? Why? Why is that? Why is our election night data being shipped offshore? Why are packets being changed and why are they being sent back? Are they they have access to our polling machines and our election uh, tabulators on the night of elections and all that data is getting shipped offshore? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. Well, Chris, we want to have you back. I'm running out of time for this segment, but uh, anything else people need to know about your lawsuit or anything? Important? Yeah, um, we're uh, gearing up for a bunch of lawfare because that's the only way that we're going to be able to do anything about this. And if uh, if your followers uh, or if your viewers here really want to help us out, um, I suggest making a donation to the Justice Society. Um and uh, that uh, URL is uh, thejusticesociety.com right. and uh, make a donation there and help fund us reclaiming uh, justice and our elections here in Florida and elsewhere. Chris, thanks much. We'll have you back. All right. Take care. Thanks. thanks.